This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary Flames back at home getting set to take on their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. Exactly a week apart from the Flames picking up their first ever win in Vegas. A 7-2 result for the Flames. They now welcome in the Golden Knights to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for the first of three games at the Dome for your Calgary Flames. This is Sportsnet Today. Welcome to a Thursday edition. I'm Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Joined by my outstanding production duo of Cam and Taylor on this Thursday. Lots to get you on the program. Getting you set for the Flames and the Golden Knights with the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius, in just moments. We'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter. Milan Lucic, Nazem Kadri, and Jonathan Huberto on a game day. Also very cool in hour two, helping us take a look at the opposition tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights, a man who knows both sides of the equation very well. Former NHL defenseman, former Golden Knight, former Calgary Flame, Derek Englund going to join us. Get Derek's thoughts on uh, tonight's matchup and what he's seen from the Vegas Golden Knights this uh, season. Also, uh, take a look at the out-of-town scoreboard on a busy night uh, across the NHL for just two games. Last night, Colorado taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Oilers and the Arizona Coyotes. Well, let's kick things off like we always do. Get you set for tonight's matchup by heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He is Pete Labardius. He joins us every single day to kick off the program, and he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows... Your home renovations, well, they should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, pal? I am excellent. I am at uh, Father David Bauer after being at the morning skate today, where uh, the U16 AA Boys Provincial Championship has just completed Game 1 with Medicine Hat. The Hounds beating Southside Athletic Club out of Edmonton. And I will be calling the next game in this event. And, uh, my favorite streaming company, hnlive.ca, and we'll be here for part of the weekend. So a little double double dip today. <laughs> Afternoon hockey and then obviously calling Flames and Golden Knights tonight. Uh, an exciting matchup tonight. Flames picked up a big win last week in Vegas. We've talked about it a lot, them getting their first victory in Las Vegas since the Golden Knights entered the league. And after that 7-2 result, Lou, Flames need to be ready for a Golden Knights team that'll probably be looking for a little bit of revenge, given how the last meeting went between these two teams. Well, they won't be happy with how they performed, but remember that the scenario was a pretty usual situation for Vegas. They'd just come off a five-game trip. They'd won four games in a row. They were coming back from Philadelphia, 
And they were not good in that game early. And it allowed the Flames to build a lead. And they closed it out that night against Jonathan Quick with authority. So, you know, I, I always find it interesting because I don't know how far, you know, revenge goes, especially for good teams. Um, you know, they're going to want to be a much better group. And, and Calgary... I'm sure would like a pretty solid performance that would resemble a lot of what happened last week. Yes, uh, you'd think that uh, for the Flames, it's and we've talked about it a lot, Lou. It's really focusing in on themselves and less about the opponent. And oh, yes, yeah. you got a good result against this team last week, but you got to focus on your own business. And you're coming back at home too from what's been a a weird stretch of games for them. Yes, they had that home game against Dallas, but it was kind of sandwiched in between. You could make a case it was really a five-game road trip the way it all worked out over the last two weeks for the Calgary Flames. They're finally getting back on on home ice for the first time consistently in a while. Well, and let's be frank. Their home ice performances this season have not been good enough. No. And they certainly have not been good enough as of late. And, you know, even the game against Dallas, which turned into a whale of a game, and they were terrific in, you know, bouncing back from a tough start. That's what you want to eliminate is a tough start at home. And, you know, you want to come out and have a good start, establish your game, get to it early, and stay with it. And looks like they will have the same lineup in order to do it tonight as they won with in Anaheim a couple of days ago, minus the exception that, as we chatted about yesterday, that Jacob Markstrom goes right back between the pipes. Yeah, and the other note we would uh, pass along with that is that means, again, after not seeing him as part of morning skate, we're not expecting Chris Tanev to play tonight for the Calgary Flames. And that's, as we've talked about, every time that that Chris leaves the, the lineup blue, that's a big hole left on that blue line. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and it means that other people are going to have to step up as he's dealing. I, you know, I've said it a lot. I don't think he's ever been healthy for one minute all season coming off the surgeries of last summer, but you know, tough in your final 10 games with everything on the line every night, not to have, you know, your most consistent defensive defenseman and the glue guy of that particular group. And they will not have him, but I, I thought as a group of six, in the game the other night that uh, they handled the assignment. It's going to be a much more difficult assignment, of course, tonight against a Vegas team that is very strong down the middle and has an excellent top four. So we'll see how that goes. And that's something that you brought up with the coach uh, as part of the coaches show today, correct? But yes, I most certainly did. I, I asked Daryl about Chris's absence. Um, nobody is saying yet how long it's going to be. And then I made reference to the fact that, you know, what did you think of the group of six? And without Chris, what does that mean going forward? Well, for the most part, our guys have been at the top of their games. Just, to, you know, they hit a ceiling. That's as far as they can go. I think the biggest thing with, with our defense is it doesn't matter. You always get one guy that's bitching about ice time. So uh, that's putting it mildly. So... Uh, when you move somebody up the order a little bit, then he better get on base. It's kind of an interesting comment today, don't you think? I thought so for sure. 
That, uh, that one definitely stood out. And like, the coach's show is always strong when, whenever you, you do it, Lou. You always do such a great job with it. But, you know, when the head coach offers you up something like that, it makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit that there's, you know, always somebody looking for more ice time on the back end. Well, that's an interesting comment, not one that we had naturally, I, I don't know, talked about much this year. No, it, it hasn't. And now listen, um, so let's, let's, let's put it all in a bow. I was probably going to go here first, but we're here now and it's a good transition. So, you know, this team is coming off a good performance with a performance that was not good. And, and that has been a pattern for the majority of the year. Let's face it. That's why they're in the boat that they're in. They haven't put any kind of win streak together. They, you know, my line that started this week is this is a team that's played well enough to be in it, but not necessarily well enough to be in it and win it. So, you know, I did, I did that find that comment very interesting, but the biggest clip of the day for me came in Daryl's availability. And, you know, the thing about Daryl always is, and most coaches are like this, they might not always do it this way, but coaches understand when they have an opportunity to get their message out. And that was today for Daryl Sutter. And so I don't exactly remember the exact question and who asked it. That really doesn't matter. Yeah, I've got it in here. It it is from Solomon at TSN as well. Yeah, but what does matter is the response. And the way to preface it is Daryl's answer to the difference between rookies and veteran players and what the coach's responsibility is, what he has in his arsenal, and then what he expects and, frankly, how we should evaluate it, in his opinion, from the outside looking in. The only, only thing coaches got on a player now is ice time. So anybody talks about that, they shouldn't be talking about coaches or any of that stuff or, or deep analysis. They should just be looking at the player's performance. <coughs> Very simple. There's, there's not much around that at all. I guess the onus is on the player to figure out how that to get back to That would be 100%, sense. especially if it's a veteran player. It's a young player. You're trying to work them, work them through it, right? keeping them off or keeping them away from certain guys, things like that, or managing schedules, as you've talked about with some of our younger players. But the veteran players, if they're still capable of being a good player, then that's on them. So that was today's message. And that, to me, is the topic of conversation going into today's game. But it is crystal clear. And if it wasn't to anybody before, it should be now. And that's not coming from me. That's coming from him. Yeah, it was very uh, to the point from the coach. And sometimes those aren't always, you know, there in the media. And the media can be used in different ways from guys like Daryl. But to me, uh, I was with you, Lou, when I heard that this morning. I thought, yeah, that's... That's a, as clear and concise as it gets from from the head coach and especially a message to his veteran players, for sure. Yes, so for the people who have struggled and not performed, that is on him. 
talking or that is on them coming from him. And that really is how Daryl looks at pretty much everything. How do you do your job? Do you do it well enough? You're here in the NHL to perform. For him, I really believe it's that simple. And it always has been. Do I think, though, at times it's more complicated than that? Yeah, I do. So uh, similar projected lines tonight as we got uh, against Anaheim the other night. That means Mangiapane with Lindholm and Toffoli. Uh, Huberto still on that line with Backlund and Coleman. Richie with Kadri and Dubé, Lucic, Lewis, and Dewar. And you were quite impressed, Lou, with uh, Walker Dewar uh, into the lineup against Anaheim. You thought he gave that line some really good jump and pace, eh? Well, I did. And there really wasn't a line, frankly, the other night in Anaheim I wasn't impressed with. But you need to see it again. Yes. And, yes, I was, especially early. And that line together. And I, I really think Walker is progressed to the point where, and I've said this before, um, no matter how the rest of this season goes, and again, I don't know how things are going to go when it's all said and done um, with potential changes and philosophies. And, you know, it, it's going to be a different off season, especially if they don't make it than last summer, but I don't think it's going to be any less turbulent and with fewer questions that will need some answers. In fact, in my mind, maybe more. So with that very much in mind, I like Dewar, but the line I thought in many ways that really helped drive the bus the other night was Kadri, Richie, and Dubin. They were hard. They were simple. They spent copious amounts of time in the offensive zone. That is exactly what Daryl was looking for. And as you will hear further tonight on the pregame show, Flames warm up with Daryl, when I suggested to him that, Coach, did you get what you wanted in the game against Anaheim from all four of your groups? and your six on defense and your goalie, he said, that's a pretty good way to assess it. So he needs more of it. And the Flames need more of it. And if they get more of it, they're going to hang right in this race long enough to give themselves a chance to win. Joining with the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, he is Peter Labardius. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. And he's brought to you by our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Uh, Lou, a guy that we, we touched on a bit uh, when you and me did trade deadline coverage to, together here on Sportsnet 960. Um, but I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about him since. Uh, he scored a big goal against Anaheim. He's now with a different partner thanks to the Chris Tanev injury. Uh, what have you made of Troy Stetcher's tenure in the Flames jersey so far? Well, I'm a fan, and I've always been a fan. And, and yet... One of the things I'm a fan about, and I've had a couple of dandy conversations with him in the room since he's been here, is I know he's always played the game with great passion. And I know that he understands his abilities. And I think sometimes what he cannot do, a lot of it just based on 
on his size. But Troy plays real big for the type of size, and I love his compete. And I like his hockey sense a lot. And he went 90 games without scoring a goal in the league, but he's been a really nice fit. And he talked to me in one of those two conversations about how he really feels like the way this team plays and how it checks and how it goes about its business systematically, which is very different than the group in Arizona. And he had nothing but great things to say about Andre. And But he felt very quickly like because of his mobility and, you know, the Flames really playing for the most part a man-on-man type coverage in their own zone, ability to come up, close gaps, keep plays alive, which every team in the league does all those things when you have the right people and they make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess I always really appreciate this type of player in any sport, and that is does Troy Stetcher have some of the natural gifts of others? Has in many ways he been battling for a job lately, year in and year out? Yes, he has. But does he bring his best energy, compete, smarts, savvy, great teammate to every place he's been? Yes, he has. And, and I told him this too, and he just laughed. <laughs> he goes, I said, I got to tell you something. And he goes, well, what? He goes, you know that unbelievable play you made in Latvia in the quarterfinal of the World Championship to beat to beat the Russians in that huge upset? Yep. Said, I'll be grateful for that for a long time. So thank you. <laughs> and then he joked about Mange and, you know, setting him up and how people talk about that with him all the time. So he's, he's a student of the game. He has great awareness and... I think he, whether it's been easy or not, and I'm sure, listen, nobody's ever finds it easy if you're constantly in a situation, no matter how hard you try or what kind of resume you have, to show people that you belong and make a difference. But I love guys like Troy Stetcher because he's more than willing to stay in the fight. And if you're in the fight, you can win the fight. And his importance to this group uh, only grows, Lou, as the uh, you know a guy like Chris Tanev comes out of the lineup. You'll be very thankful, and Flames fans will be thankful. The coaching staff will be thankful. They have another NHL experienced you know defenseman yeah. like Troy in the lineup that can help them with that loss of Chris for however long it might be. You can't have enough of those kind of guys at this time of year. You can't. You absolutely can't. And you know what the other awesome thing is? It's going to be a great partner for a guy who I also have grown very fond of and how he's gone about his business. And that's Dennis Gilbert. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to learn. I'd be, I'd be hanging around Troy a lot. If I was Dennis, there's lots to glean, take away, you know, for a guy who's 26 and in a somewhat more difficult situation, he still hasn't, put himself in a spot yet where he has ever had true full-time duty in the league. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, before we uh, let you go, Lou, uh, a quick thought on the Golden Knights, 8-2 and two in their last 10. 
Uh, this group has adapted incredibly well since leaving or uh, losing, excuse me, their captain, uh, Mark Stone, a little bit earlier on this season. He's a huge part of that team, but they found a way to keep going, and it's a strong group coming into town tonight in Las Vegas. Yeah, they're a really good team. And, you know, depending on the kind of goaltending they're going to get the rest of the way, they're an excellent team because I love their top four on defense. Veterans, smart, been there, done that, won a lot. Uh, they're, they're still really good down the middle, especially when Eichel is at a high level. And I don't know what it is about Calgary, but Jack has always seemed to play very well at Scotiabank Saddledome. They're good. They're good. And they've done a lot of winning as an organization, maybe not as much as Bill Foley would have liked. Certainly early, you know, the greatest expansion season, I would argue, in the history of professional sports. But they've done a nice job. They've built a pretty good culture there. Guys want to go there. They really, really enjoy living in that area. They're good. They're good. And it's going to be an interesting battle for them and L.A. and Edmonton down the stretch to see who ends up first in the Pacific. And uh, last but not least, away from the Flames, before we let you go here, Lou, uh, Hockey Canada has announced their management group that will lead and build uh, Canada's national men's team into the 2023 World Championships in Finland and Latvia. Uh, A pretty stacked management group that includes Steve Iserman, Shane Doan, and Doug Armstrong. Well... So here's, here's a couple of things to think about in that respect. So you don't always get these opportunities, but my respect for those guys is immense. But in terms of general manager, you're in a position where when Scott Salmon, who's the senior director of hockey operations, gets an opportunity to have whoever he wants, to be in those positions, i.e. when he was hoping that the Olympic team would, you know, take shape for 2022, guess who some of the guys were leading the way then? Well, they're leading the way again now. And uh, they're among the best in the business. They know how to win, know how to put a good team together, what to look for. They've had international experience and wins. So it's great. And a special shout-out, if I can, quickly, before I actually have to concentrate on the lineup. Please. Um, for a game that starts in 20 minutes, is special shout-out to Peter Anholt, the unbelievable GM of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, who will be Canada's national junior team general manager in the 23-24 calendar year leading up to Sweden and Gothenburg. Uh, I've known Peter forever, and there are truly he is he is right in a very small group for me of people that I respect, that I like, that I care about, and that I would work for given the opportunity in less than one second. So when you're as passionate about that program as I am, that event as I am, to now have. You know, the head scout be Al Miller and the general manager of this team to be Peter Anholt. If I didn't have my flags waving hard enough every year as it is, I'll have about 17 extras when they take to the ice 
in Sweden early in 2024. Luke, get out of here. Enjoy your afternoon, pal. Have a great call this Thanks. afternoon, and we'll see you at the Dome a little later. Bill Labardius, color voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. The fan joins us every single day to kick off the program. You'll hear from him a little bit later on today as part of Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. And then, of course, he'll be on the call with Derek Wills, Flames, and the Golden Knights. 7 o'clock start from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. The first of three at home for the Calgary Flames as they kick off a homestand that includes games against the San Jose Sharks this weekend and into uh, a game against the LA Kings next week. We will take a break, come back on the other side, take a look at the out-of-town scoreboard after a quiet night in the NHL last night. The NHL calendar gets busy once again on this Thursday night. What do Flames fans need to look for? What does the out-of-town scoreboard look like? We'll take a preview of all the latest around the NHL next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Rolling on on the Calgary Flames game day. This is Sportsnet Today. Still to come on the program, we will hear from a number of members of the Calgary Flames following morning skate, including head coach Daryl Sutter, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, all of that still to come. We'll also take a look at the opposition tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights, with former Knights defenseman, former Flames defenseman, Derek Englund going to join the program. He became a pretty integral part of those first couple of years uh, of hockey in Vegas, was a fan favorite there, became a fan favorite in Calgary. I know a lot of people, it kind of reminded me of the, thinking back on it now, the Derek Anglin signing kind of reminded me of the Erica Branson one. People weren't really sure about the foot speed, bigger guy was going to be able to keep up, wound up being a, a pretty big fan favorite in Calgary. So really looking forward to chatting with Derek in hour two. But uh, while we before we get there, uh, I look back last night in the NHL and look ahead to a busy NHL schedule tonight. Uh, but we can't go anywhere without mentioning uh, this man and the historic pace that he continues to play at uh, with a game winner in overtime against Arizona last night. Watch by Bouchard. Malamaki across, stolen away. Dry subtle turn. McDavid the breakaway to win it. Wrist shot. No, off the post. Rebound, Travis Boyd. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time he wins it. Connor McDavid, his 60th goal. Edmonton four, Arizona three in overtime. Now, if you ignore the fact that it was a 4 3 game in overtime against Arizona and don't dive into how it got there for the Edmonton Oilers. The the story is clearly Connor McDavid. 60 goals in 72 games this season. He's up to 138 points. He will run away with the scoring title this year. He is your projected Hart Trophy winner as team MVP. I don't know how he couldn't be. Uh, a phenomenal season for number 97, who continues to show us that he has that extra level in him. Will it be enough to force his team higher in the playoffs? That one's still to be seen, but what a year for, for Connor McDavid. I mean, we won't spend forever on it because I know we're on in Calgary, and uh, hearing those sort of things makes people physically ill, but you just can't deny the pace and 
the incredible season that it's been for number 97. Uh, the only one closest to him in points is Leon Dreisaitl, his teammate at 110. So a good 28 points back of the pace that Connor's at. Uh, and should mention this as well, Nikita Kucherov very quietly hitting the 100-point mark this season as well. He is back uh, healthy for the Tampa Bay Lightning and putting up points again. Uh, look at the top five of NHL scorers. Matthew Kachuk set to hit the 100-point plateau for the Panthers sooner than later. He's got 96 points. While David Pasternak, uh, good timing to sign that massive contract. 48 goals, 45 assists. He's got 93 points on the season. Other result from last night to talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Taking on the Colorado Avalanche. A big win for Pittsburgh. 5-2 your final score. Sidney Crosby. Looking like vintage Sidney Crosby last night. He reaches the 30-goal plateau this season. Scoring in the second period, just 111 in, and the Pens cruise to a 5-2 victory. And taking a look at the standings in both the Eastern and Western Conference playoff pictures heading into tonight's action, starting in the East, that win for Pittsburgh big to keep their uh, lead over the Florida Panthers. Right now, Pittsburgh holds the final wild card in the East. They've got 80 points, 71 games played. Florida with 71 games played as well. They have 79 points. The Islanders with the first wild card spot, they're not out of it either. Uh, they've still got to continue to win if they want to find themselves in the playoffs. They have 82 points, but Pittsburgh and Florida maintain a game in hand. So we're talking very little between these teams. And the Eastern Conference playoff picture uh, starting to look more secure in the East. This was done with Taylor. I want to say last year it was like, it was almost December and we were like, okay, we know who's playing in the East. We know the eight teams. We'll just wait and see how you sort yourselves out this year. It looks like we'll try to figure out the wild card spot in the East between those three teams I just mentioned, but everything else really except for, I mean, I guess you could say Tampa, Toronto still got to decide who gets home ice. And New Jersey's trying to track down Carolina for top spot in the Metro. That's at least been a little bit later for the playoff race this year in the East. I feel like we always kind of know who's going to make the playoffs in the East. It's just figuring out where they sit at the end of the season pretty early on. Like, they kind of just dominate everything, and you're like, yeah, okay, they're making the playoffs. Yeah, it's a good point because nobody here really surprises you. I mean, New Jersey's taking the biggest step forward. But I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think it's a crazy thing to say going into the year. Okay, Washington might fall off a bit, not make the playoffs, and New Jersey could take one of those spots. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. And even if one of Pittsburgh, New York, or Florida, I'm sure Florida, who won the, the President's Trophy last year, would like to tell you they saw an easier path to the playoffs this year than maybe they're in but they went through some pretty radical changes this offseason as well and clearly haven't been the same team either. So, yeah, nothing crazy in the East. So right now, it would line up. Toronto's got home ice advantage against Tampa Bay in round one. New Jersey would take on New York. The Bruins would get the Penguins. The Islanders would get the Carolina Hurricanes. In the West, a little bit more jumbled up. Uh, and the wild card side of things, not quite as tight points-wise 
Flames with 72 games played, they have 79 points. That's four points back of Winnipeg with equal games played. Predators still maintain those three games in hand on the Jets and the Flames. They have 78 points, so just a point behind Calgary, five behind Winnipeg. And uh, if you want to include Seattle, who hasn't been great of late, they're at 85 points. So technically they're still within catching distance for a couple of teams here. But as we know, as we get closer down the races here, it's harder for teams to catch up on everybody. The West is interesting because it's not determined nearly as much as the East is. I went, I went through some of those matchups like Tampa Bay, Toronto, very likely to happen at this point. Uh, Carolina, New Jersey's less, I don't want to say it's less set because Carolina's got two games in hand and they're up on New Jersey. That certainly could happen. But the West, you can't really pencil anything in, Taylor. Right now, the Central Division, Dallas and Minnesota, 71 games played, both with 90 points. Colorado holds a game in hand and is just two points behind them. So those three spots are not decided at all. In the Pacific Division, Vegas and Los Angeles, 71 games played. Vegas has 94 points. LA has 92. The Oilers have 90 points thanks to their win last night against Arizona. But they, on the other hand, give up a game to Vegas and Los Angeles. So none of this is really set. The Oilers could still very much be in contention for first spot in the Pacific. They've won five in a row now. LA, they're kind of all ahead of, like I would say, given that five-point gap that they have on Seattle, you're probably said that those are the three teams. But who plays who in the West? Still very much up for debate. It's always questionable. Like, if you're Edmonton, do you want to see L.A. In, in the first round of the playoffs again after what happened last year? But do you also want to see Vegas in the playoffs? You probably don't. I don't know who you'd want. I'm sure if you're the Oilers, okay, home ice probably matters. But if you can't, I mean, it's going to be hard to catch Vegas with 10 games left. Vegas has a four-point gap on you and a game in hand. So call it six points if you want to. I always find it's best when you're talking about the games in hand. Just count it as two points. And if you get lucky and it doesn't wind up being that way, um, you're better off on the math. But yeah, so you know, call it six points if you want to. If you want to equal everything out between Vegas and Edmonton, that's a hard gap to to figure out in the last ten games. So we we could honestly see L.A. Vegas, or excuse me, L.A. Edmonton round one. That could be a, a playoff matchup. I have no idea what happens in the Central. Those three teams are so close. Colorado could be first. Dallas could be first. Minnesota could be first. And if you're one of those teams, I think you'd want a wild card team. Like you'd want to finish first in that division because that lessens your chance of playing Colorado in round one. It kind of feels like if you're two or three, you're probably destined to meet the Avalanche. And I think that's the one team no one wants to play. Yeah. I mean, Colorado, they're getting everybody back now and everybody's healthy. They're kind of scary in the playoffs too. They can dominate and play with any team and, you just don't want to be playing against them. No, I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, so the scoreboard tonight to look out for from a Flames perspective, especially Kraken and Predators. That one's got uh, major 
implications for the Calgary Flames. Like I mentioned, Nashville still has those three games in hand. Seattle holds the first wild card spot in the West, so that one's a six o'clock start. Jets are in Anaheim to take on the Ducks as an eight o'clock start tonight. You're hoping the Ducks can do a favor for the Calgary Flames and find a way to beat the Jets in regulation. And uh, then the rest, you know, not as much impact for the Flames, but just impact in different playoff races. We mentioned Minnesota and their playoff push uh, for a spot in the Central. They take on the Flyers tonight. That's a big game for them to pick up a two points against the lower team. Dallas takes on Pittsburgh. Penguins on the back half of a back-to-back. And then later tonight, San Jose takes on the Sharks, or takes on the Canucks, excuse me. They can't take on themselves. Uh, an interesting piece of news that we heard earlier this week, Philip Roenick was acquired from the Detroit Red Wings on trade deadline day for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, set to make his debut in Canucks color. So their season winding to an end in Vancouver. They won't make the playoffs. Where they sit when it comes to the draft lottery is of interest to them, but they've been winning some games lately. Uh, for now, they'll take a seat and uh, take a, a look at their new addition on the back end, and that's Philip Roenick. Uh, Cam and Taylor, when you look at the matchups tonight, there's a couple other ones I didn't mention. Which one, aside from the Flames and the Golden Knights, most catches your eye? It's a good question. Uh, I'm all over that that Seattle-Nashville game. That's going to be big for the playoff picture. Yeah, that's a big one. Taylor? I mean, I don't think... You say the, don't you dare say it. I think we know where I'm going. Uh, you better be going something like Rangers-Hurricanes because... I gotta cheer on my halves, Logan! Oh. Turn off her mic. That's enough. It's despicable. That's what we're all waiting for. The 54-11-5 Bruins take you on the 28-37-6 Habs. Okay, well, they got Kirby Doc back. Well, that's fantastic. And that's, Kirby Doc scored. That's well, that's really good news. He's back. Will he look good on a line with Connor Bedard? You know what? Maybe. But then, you know. But I still like that Suzuki-Doc-Caulfield line the best. Well, where's, where does Connor Bedard play then? He can play on the second line. Connor Bedard's going to play on the second line. Yes. I don't think that's hey, going to want Hey, you want your lines nice and equally distributed with offense. So if you want, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up again, and I know everyone's going to hate it, but look, Drysaddle and McDavid are on different lines. Sometimes. Most of the time. And look how they offensively dominate other teams. Why would you not want to have that on yours? Because they haven't won anything? They went to the Stanley Cup finals. I guess you should have said, you know, the real example would be Crosby and Malkin. Right? That's the better one. Yeah. Where does Connor Bedard end up, by the way? The odds will not, they can shift. Like 32nd belongs to Columbus as of today. They have 51 points. But the Sharks and Blackhawks, 53, 54, 
Anaheim's in that mix, and then there's a, a decent gap to get to Taylor's Habs. And you have the Flyers, the Coyotes, a bit in the mix. I really, and I, I heard the guys talking about this with Frank, uh, Frank Saravalli, our, our NHL insider, earlier today on, on Russick and Rose. It would kind of feel disappointing if he did, if Connor Bedard does wind up going to Columbus, wouldn't it? He needs, like, Chicago fully tanked this year and got rid of almost every player. But some people won't want to see Chicago because Chicago just did this just to 10, get 12 years ago and yeah. worked out great. They got their Stanley Cups. Plus, let's be honest, they haven't been a model franchise off the ice. And some people would be okay with them sitting on the sidelines of NHL success for a while. But as far as like an NHL market for him to go to and succeed in, yeah, it's it's probably near the top of the list. It's an original six franchise that comes with a lot of, you know, I think there's still something special about playing as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Montreal is in the mix. I think San Jose would be an interesting landing spot for them. 13.5% odds for San Jose. I wouldn't mind San Jose. I mean, other than the fact that he'd be in the division for Flames fans and you'd have to deal with two Connors that are franchise-level players. San Jose has lost their past seven. Yeah, I mean, for your entertainment standpoint, for somebody that covers the Flames, I would love to see uh, as much Connor Bedard as possible. But I just... Like I mean, does, if if he goes to Columbus, does it move the radar at all? Okay. I don't think him going to Columbus is going to change Columbus. No, I don't think it makes them like a all of a Superstar. sudden a popular. Like yeah, yeah. Like does Connor Bedard have the best selling jersey next year if he goes to Columbus? Probably not. I guarantee it will be if he goes to Montreal or Philly, Chicago. Gary Bettman rig this draft. You just wanted Montreal. I mean, he can go to Vancouver too. No, I don't know about that. Play with Elias Patterson. I don't know that we'd ever be able to hear it from our boss. Oh, you will never not hear it from me. Fair. If he goes to Montreal or Vancouver. I just they've they've got the best odds going into today, and I just I honestly can't tell you that. It would almost disappoint me, and it's just how little I care about the Columbus Blue Jackets, if he was to wind up there. I I think he'd be a great player where he's going to go. I can see him, as disgusting as it is to stay on Calgary Sports Radio, probably forming a nice pairing with Johnny Gaudreau offensively, sure. But I just don't know that you want your next franchise player going to... I don't know, one of the most irrelevant teams in the NHL. And again, I'm with you, Taylor. I don't think it makes Columbus all of a sudden this better team. They still have very little going on in goal. The defense outside of Rorensky is abysmal. abysmal. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, yeah. And you had one of the biggest free agent signings this offseason, and somehow you got worse. Yeah. Like you added Johnny Gaudreau and somehow your team got worse this year. Are they going to get worse with Bedard and Gaudreau? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I mean, offensively, I guess it would be fun. 
Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know, I can't see in that, those weird blue and red and white jerseys, I just can't see a 98 sparkling through the same way it would almost anywhere else. Maybe if you put a little glitter on it, do some arts and crafts. <laughs> You'd have to do a lot of arts and crafts to make that look good. Just, uh... And as a few people, people pointed out, wouldn't it be the same if he goes to Arizona and has to play in a college arena? I guess. I, I just... I don't know. There's just something about Columbus that's always been so meh across the league that... Mm-hmm. Like, Arizona, I know that they're kind of going through a rebuild now, but they have so many talented prospects and current players that are finally figuring things out and becoming comfortable in the NHL. And they're not far off from what, two years ago, three years ago when they made the like Stanley cup. I mean, it it was the bubble season, but they still had a lot of success. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, this text at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero says he's going to Toronto. He's going to get drafted by Phoenix. Phoenix is going to flip him for Austin Matthews. That would be a blockbuster trade. I think unless Toronto can't sign Matthews, he's not. they're not going to trade him. That's a good point. Would you, would you do that if you were Toronto right now? If no. we get to May and Columbus get, or Arizona gets the number one overall pick. And they say, I'll swap you straight up for Austin Matthews. Would you do it? No. I don't know if I would either. Because I, we know Bedard is going to thrive in the NHL. But do you want to take the gamble if he doesn't? Or are you going with the player that has become your franchise player? Or one of them. And has great chemistry with Marner. That creates so many. Nope. Creates so many chances. But you just said it right there. You just said it before. What if you're not 100% that you can re-sign him if you're Toronto? And you'll at least have Connor Bedard on team control at a lower cost for the least of the next couple seasons. And that might be the best drop-off that you could possibly hope for. Any other deal with Austin Matthews, let's be honest, you're losing. Right? Mm-hmm. But if you were able to bring in Bedard and say, hey, you can be our number two center, eventually dive into our number one, you're on an entry-level contract Oh, for so three now years. Connor Bedard can be on a second line? Well, yeah, of course. There's different centers in Toronto. I'm just saying, it's, it, it sounds crazy on paper when someone texts in something like that. I don't know that it's as crazy as as some people think. I think in Arizona... No, again, does does Austin Matthews want to be in Arizona for any of this? That's a big question, too. Like, would he re-sign with the Coyotes just because he's from there? I have no idea. I really don't know how he would feel about the current situation and them doing that. But from a, like a perspective of what team could certainly use it and could use a boost from a guy, yeah, Arizona would absolutely love to bring in a guy like Austin Matthews and be able to promote him where he was born and as this next superstar. But you're right. You're taking a chance. Also, again, with Arizona, why would you want Austin Matthews over Connor Bedard when you have all this amazing young talent? 
that because well, he's still because he's more proven than Bedard. I would say, right? As great as Connor Bedard is, there's no guarantee he'll score sixty in the league. So then, why would Toronto take that gamble? Because they might lose Matthews for nothing. Exactly. So you're losing one of your franchise players for a player that's not going to produce mm. as much as him or be as good as. I don't know. That's a tough one. I just I think we've just come to the conclusion that we can make a case for literally any team except for Columbus. <laughs> Everything else that we're just like, nah. We can we can find a way to make it happen. Columbus is like, ah, just I can't. Just make sure that it doesn't happen that way. We'll see. Still lots of things to be decided over the last couple of weeks of the NHL season. Uh while we're watching playoff races, of course, in both conferences. Uh the Tankathon is on for a lot of teams when it comes to potentially drafting Connor Bedard first overall in this year's NHL draft. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll kick off hour two with a look at the opposition. Former Flames defenseman, former Golden Knights defenseman Derek England joins the program next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.